Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi everyone, I'm Co Hodges, co-founder and lead instructor at Unraveled Academy, and today I'm super excited to be interviewing Gianna Dorsey. Um, she is an acclaimed fashion photographer internationally, and just a beautiful artist and someone that I'm just meeting. So I'm super excited to connect with her. So Gianna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Oh, I, I seriously, I love how this stuff works because I seriously can't believe that I would just see you on Instagram, be so inspired by you. You were a, a scroll stopper for me. And then I was looking at your stories and I was like, Oh, I have to interview this woman. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Social media has, um, been a blessing yes. despite you know how big it is um, and how detrimental it could be but mm-hmm. for me it's just been such a blessing and I've been meeting so many incredible incredible people um, like yourself so I'm really excited for it yay so let's dig right in um, can you tell everyone where you are located in the world and what work you primarily do yes so I am in California <laughs> I am in Los Angeles California, um, originally from Chicago, um, and I am a professional photographer, but I do dabble in a little bit of everything artistically, Mm -hmm. so um, I'm starting to call myself an overall artist, um, an overall creative, Sure. but I primarily um, do photography. That's my love. Amazing. What brought you from Chicago out to the West Coast? School. So I went to University of Illinois at Chicago, and I discovered that I just really wanted to move to California um, to attend Brooks Institute of Photography. So made the decision, packed up a couple months later, and here I am, um, and it will be going on seven years in August. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Well, we were all super intrigued here, um, our team was, by the project that you're doing on Instagram right now, and I would love for you to elaborate more on this. So the hashtag BlackHisStory on Instagram is quite amazing, quite unique. Can you tell the listeners what this is and why you are inspired to create this? Yeah, so BlackHisStory is my love child right now. I come from, um, I was born in Gary, Indiana. So I was in the hood. Um, I didn't grow up with that many positive black role models in my life. Um, My father is an incredible father. um, But as far as you know, um, just my outside area of friends and even teachers, I didn't grow up with that many black positive influences. So I didn't really discover the black creative culture and the black success culture in real life outside of television until I moved to California when I can really dive into it. And um, my mother is my heart and my soul. And I just really wanted to get to know her through other women. Um, So I started a Black Her Story, actually, um, in 2016, where I interviewed my mom, and I interviewed 28 other, 27 other beautiful Black women um, for the month of February and took portraits of them. And it was just a way for our voices to be 
heard. And then I took a little hiatus <laughs> from <laughs> doing the project, and I really was a little nervous to go into the Black Kids Story Project because it was more intimidating for me to sit down with 28 Black men sure. um, and be able to, you know, listen to the stories and their hearts um, with things. I was just, I don't know why I was intimidated. I just was. And I finally just took the plunge and started interviewing in January and reached out to <clears throat> a lot of my, I would say, more known connects. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, you know, the project, you'll see a few names that are um, quite familiar and quite popular. But it's because I wanted to make a stamp um, and a dent in, in the world as far as <clears throat> excuse me, our voices just not being heard that well. And right. it's the men who could um, do that and make it more powerful. Um, and yeah, so I just, it's, it's just a, a, a love, a love project and um, black men are so misunderstood and I, I needed to put their voices on display on in a big way. Um, and show that yes, black men can protect black women. And yes, um, we are successful and, and, and they are out here doing incredible things in the workplace, in the creative space. And I just, I needed, I needed to show that. So that's what that project is. Oh my gosh. I just got chills everywhere because I feel <laughs> like this is um, a topic that's not commonly discussed. Um, I feel like women of color are having more of a space and maybe that's from the feminine aspect and it's a little bit, these are softer, uh, more approachable people. Even like you're just saying, it was a little bit intimidating to go ask these men their stories. And why is that? Is that um, you know a cultural stigma that's that's been conditioned? Um, and I love what you said about Black creative culture and these creative spaces, <clears throat> especially for the masculine role. You know, it, I'm I'm sure that the perception is not. Of, of having this creative space that's exclusive for them. Um, right. So when you're interviewing these men, um, you know, what were, what was the biggest takeaway from your interviews with them, from your time with them? You know what? I realized that black men crave vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway from this is that these men opened up to me and was thanking me so much for giving them a space. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit because of how we are raised. The black culture is very specific and we're very unique into um, how we are raised. And we we share so much in common. You know, we can joke around about the exact same things with a stranger on the street because more than likely you were raised the same way that I was. And a common theme amongst the men is that being black is beautiful, but being black is, being a black man is, is a caution. And you have to be, you have to be cautious about being vulnerable. And I just found that a little, a little heartbreaking. Um, And a few of the guys after the interview told me that they've never been able to talk about these things or they never felt comfortable enough or they never felt welcome enough to talk about just being black and all of the questions with every single guy just posed 
what is it like being a black man in America for you? And then after that, it was just a conversation and just the way that these men unfolded and blossomed mm. and just let down their guard with me, mm. a woman, you know? Right. So I think that, um, I think that men from this project um, was just thankful um, and, and, and finally able to just really express themselves um, and a lot of them do use their platform and they're able to express themselves often, you know, but um, the majority was just like, this is this is great. And, it, and so it was a little sad, but it was very powerful. And I think that we as women need to um, just be, try to get our men to, to talk a little bit more, but also understand why they are not vulnerable um, in, in things. So I... Yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Do you think that the lack of vulnerability is, stems from ra- being raised just to be tough and resilient and with like a really thick skin, truly, from the outside yeah. world because it's so harsh? Absolutely. I think that our toughness and our sickness and our lack of compassion towards mental illness, towards vulnerability, towards you know, um, men don't cry begins in slavery. When we were slaves and we were in the fields and we were terrified of being killed and whipped and beaten and raped and all of these things, we had no other choice but to be strong. Black men, you do not show weakness in front of the the women. You do not show weakness. You be an example for these kids that are being born out of rape, out of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, hidden love. Right. It was terrifying to have children. And so black men have been conditioned since slavery to be afraid to speak on what is it like for them just being them. And so this goes way back. And so this is why, you know, certain conversations cannot be had in our culture. And it is sad and empowering at the exact same time because now we're learning and now we're able to put those things um, together and realize oh, this is why I can't be vulnerable. This is why it's difficult for me to express myself. It starts in slavery. We had no other choice. Mental illness, what's that? You know, right. you get out there and you pick the cotton. You get out there and you take those beatings. You take being called the N-word. You, you take mm-hmm. doing that. You don't speak on anything else. You get out there, you work, you do it. And that has been what it's been for generations now. Right. And so, um, and I think that's why it's a more difficult um, conversation with the generation before us to have, you know, to be vulnerable because they were raised a very specific way, even down to my father, you know. So um, I finally had a conversation with my father just about who he is. And I was able to look him in the eye and be like, oh my God, like you have been through some things. And I finally understand you as an adult, you know, why you are the way you are and um, why it's difficult to break down your wall sometimes and why it's difficult to talk to you sometimes. It starts from, you know, it's, it's, it's generations and we're all raised the same way and we all can relate to each other because of slavery. It made us so unique. Slavery made us so powerful, but slavery also made it very difficult for us to um to talk about these things and to and to and it's okay to cry. I've had a few of the guys after the interview cry and it's gotten very very emotional and yes, oh, it's been it's it's been a journey. So um, 
yes, it's generations, but things are changing, you know, yes. conversations are being had and um, it's a beautiful thing that's happening. Well, you're a part of that. I mean, obviously I've, I've looked at every single one of these portraits and mm-hmm. reading these, these captions and ve- a very diverse group of men that you've yes. encountered. What would you say was one of the most profound stories that arose from this project? Oh my goodness. Um, this is so, such an easy question. Um, well, first let me just say, every single man that was a part of this project has shifted my life in, in one way or another. And so every single story was profound. But I have to say, my little brother, which is the last day of mm. Black History Month. Yes. My little brother is a black police officer. And if you think about it, this is like the basis of this project yeah. is the way that social media has been able to bring police brutality mm-hmm. to the forefront. And I have not heard from a black police officer and hearing his side of things. And he literally starts off his statement with saying being a black man and a black police officer is a difficult thing because my own people look at me as a traitor. Right. Right. And that just listening to him. um, And I'm also biased as well because that's my little brother. And so, but just hearing his side was like, it was a shift in the entire project. Mm-hmm. And the the feedback that I got from that was so overwhelming in my inbox and in my um, personal DM. And people were like, oh my gosh, this was needed. Because yeah, I have a very, very diverse group of men who do different things and offer different things. But all of these men have probably at some point experienced discrimination from a police officer, you know? And so it was so important for me to bring that voice into the project and to end the project um, with that. I'm actually continuing the project, little behind the scenes type, you know, secret. Yeah. Um, I'm continuing the project. Because <laughs> we're, we're black, we're black 365. And so I figured um, that I would continue it. So it'll be some more men posted, but I wanted to leave Black History Month with, um, with the statement from my from my little brother, that was the most profound. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I was crying reading it, and I can't relate at all, truly. Um, but I can imagine. Um, you know, I work in an emergency room, so we work very closely with PD oh. um, and fire, and I can only imagine what ha- what goes on. And to be to be a man of color working as a police officer and dealing with police brutality and dealing with discrimination on a higher level, I can't even imagine. So reading those posts and, and, but your connection to him obviously made that so much more powerful and just, Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And just shedding light on it. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, um, that, you know, the only thing that he wanted to do is is get home to to his daughter, my niece, Piper. That's the only thing that he wants to do. And that's the only thing all of these guys want to do is yep. get home. Um, yes. And, and he said something very, um, it, it was a shocker statement is what I call it, is me being a black police officer is probably 
and he's talking to the black man at this point. He's like, mm-hmm. me being a black police officer is probably the best chance you have of making it home. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I, I mean, it's it, it's so unfortunately true, right. you know, is that you have to look to another black man, you know, um, to do that. And we can't really, we can't unfortunately rely on anyone else to, you know, make, make it home. Um, but my brother is like the best chance you have, you know, so that, oh, right. so, oh, that just stuck with me completely. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, would you say, and just for the listener's sake, what types of other professions were you interviewing? Um, I mean, there's a really oh, large right. gamut. Okay, we have actors, Jensen Atwood, Tracy Campbell, Jordan Calloway, we have uh we have singers, we have um singer Mario, we have uh we, we have oh my gosh, we have so many different people on here. We have um T V show hosts like Terrell Grice. Mm-hmm. Um have a chef slash model on there, Dami. Um, yeah, that was such a I fascinating some- com- compilation of uh, industries. It's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I have um, a. He, I would I would call this person on here an overall artist because he literally does everything, and that is my friend. Neither um, he goes by neither, and I have. Um, event planners, Ryan and Craig on here who owns RCE LA, check them out, RCE underscore LA. Mm -hmm. Um, They're planning a big Black History event for me on March 28th um, Mm -hmm. in honor of this project. Um, I have music video producers like Lex Luter. I have comedians like Eric Mack. I have video directors and screenwriters like Devon Edwards. I have so many different people on here. Um, And so it was really important for me to show, you know, something that's close to my heart, which is the creative, right? Right. And then also show um, that these creatives and these men are just like everyone else. You know, when they go through the same struggles. So I have a little bit of everybody. I have a DJ, DJ Damage, um, Atheon Crockett. Oh, gosh, there's so many men a part of this that I'm just so overwhelmingly thankful for that I can't even believe (laughs) that I got to agree to do this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm not surprised one bit. So (laughs) when you first set out to do this, because I know you did her story before, and I want to talk a little bit more about that too. Um, But when you first set out to do this, what were you hoping to achieve and did that get exceeded at the end, the end of it? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up not entirely connected to my blackness um, and not accepting it fully. Um, and I actually grew up the majority of my life and I'm okay to say this because I'm healed from it. Um, but I was turned off by black culture and black community because of what was around me and I only had positive examples on tv so nothing was really real to me Um, my father was a hard-working man my mom was a hard-working woman you know so they did amazing so but I never outside of that I never really was able to connect that well and I was kind of turned off from it and so 
my hope for the project, and so I'm over that now. Like I can't even I can't even believe that I was turned off from this group. You know, my my people, my group. Of, I can't even believe that I I even had those thoughts. But my hope for the project is this is going to be turned into a coffee table book, a photo coffee mm. table book. We don't have a lot of black representation in households um, right. creatively. So I am turning this into a coffee table book. I want kids who are growing up, navigating blackness is a real thing. Yeah. Navigating how to be black and the rules that society gives black people in order to survive is a real thing yeah. that other cultures do not have to go through. Right. and Or not as much, I'm going to just say that. And navigating blackness is something that, I wish I would have, you know, read more books and saw that there were larger examples out there, you know, or um, listened to audio about positive influencers and just different black people in the world. So this coffee table book will have a link where families can sit down with their children and look at these photos and listen to this link of these audios and ask the questions I always wanted to ask. Mm. So I'm hoping that this is an easier way for the next generation to navigate their blackness or the current generation or the generation before us, sure. you know, just questions and relatability. Absolutely. And so I just, I'm hoping for an understanding. I'm hoping that this generation coming up can um, see that, yo, we, we went through the same thing y'all did, the same mental, the same, you know, having to uh, be terrified for our lives for a simple traffic stop, you know, because we didn't know if they were feeling trigger happy that day, you know, and so I want um, kids to be empowered by these men. I want kids to, I want parents to um, that are having a difficult time having these conversations with their kids to have a conversation starter. I just want this to be a conversation started within households. And I need this to be in white households, in yes. purple households, orange house. Like, I yes. want this across the world. And I want families to sit down with their kids and show their white children that black people have it a little bit differently than, yes. than, than you do, child, than yes. you do son and daughter. And I need y'all to realize that it is okay to see color. You need to know how to handle color and navigate color yes. and things and how to treat black people. We need to be treated more like humans. And um, I think that that's missing. We're, we're treated like animals. And um, our voices are just now being able to be heard because social media has shifted mm. in the last five years. Yes. And we and, and and it has made a profound impact in our community in such a great way because things are now on video <laughs> and um we're in a creative generation and an entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurial generation now and we're not taking all of the things that our parents had to take and that our ancestors mm -hmm. had to take we're now being able to do this so the hope for that is to just continue for our voices to be not only heard but listen to yeah. listening is such a skill and it's a very difficult one when other people have other opinions it's very mm -hmm. difficult to listen mm -hmm. and so um i'm hoping that this just have you know starts conversations and 
people can listen to us. And it's a beautiful thing to come to an understanding, mm-hmm. just to have hearts open. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. It's so insane. I am constantly learning and growing. I myself have two small children and am always trying to find ways to educate myself and them appropriately on cultural stigmas, on cultural norms, on how that's shifting, on how to be a, on how to be good human beings, you know, etc. One thing I loved that you said was that it, we're seeing color but how to navigate it as a different concept. Right. And I, I right. gosh, I, I love that so much because, and not that anybody who says we shouldn't see color is necessarily wrong, but my small children who are five and seven, you know, they, they see the differences. And I think it's awesome to talk about it in its beauty and the humanity of it and why. Right. And w- without, without fear of, of the repercussions of that. So I feel like a lot of parents are fearful and so they just don't talk about it at all. See, and that is honestly one of the biggest mistakes that people um, of different cultures make on our behalf. Silence is very, very loud, very loud. And not having those conversations, everybody who's listening to this right now, Y'all need to have a conversation. Reach out and ask us questions. It is okay to ask black people questions <laughs> because we can read people's hearts. Right. Now, malicious, coming at us maliciously is different, right? Like sure. just out of just pure hatred is different with, with things like that. But conversations are so important. Silence is a huge problem with wanting to help. So I have a lot of uh, specifically white people ask, in what ways can I help with this? Um, in what ways, because I'm, I'm afraid um, and I'm very cautious. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the main thing you can do is share the project. Yes. Bring it up with your kids. You know what I mean? I, I get so many inboxes from white people. I had one girl message me um, just a few days ago, actually, and ask, hey, is it okay if I share this photo on my page from your Black History Project? And I'm like, of course. Don't ask. Like, just sh- share the project. Have the conversations. Make your white counterparts uncomfortable. Because <laughs> yes. that's the only thing. Yes. You know, like, people don't want to talk about it. And white people don't, you know, don't want to talk about it with us. Right. And the silence is the biggest issue. And I look at some of my, my friends and I'm like, why? Why won't you just you know, talk about it. It's okay. okay. See color, see the beauty. I don't think Mm -hmm. children don't, I I truly don't think that they see color, like when they're making friends and, you know, preschool, you know, they don't see color. But um, the older you get, you you start to realize different things. And I think when parents see that shift happening is when those conversations need to start Mm -hmm. and um, not bring it up as an issue, just bring it up as, you know, um, do you see your, your black classmates being treated differently and what can you do son or daughter to, you know, make sure that you are speaking on behalf of them. The white voice is very powerful. Right. Y'all run everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we need, we need to, what you're doing is so beautiful. The fact that you reached out to me, oh. you know, it's so important. And it's not even Black History Month anymore. You're just, it's a genuine interest there and it's a genuine passion that you have in you. And um, that's why I was so 
weird when you first inbox me. <laughs> I was oh. like, is this spam? No, yeah. <laughs> because oh, I don't so have. <laughs> I know, but it's it's it, it's because I don't have white people reaching out asking to do this to do this. Well, that's All unfortunate, and that will change. Everything. I promise you, keep doing this, and it will change. Yeah. I, I literally, I cannot say this enough. I thought it was so funny on DMs when you were like, um, is this real? Is this spam? And I was like, I promise you I'm a real person. This is my real person account. Go check this out. And yeah. um, <laughs> But I was seriously was scrolling late night working, and I just stopped dead in my tracks, and I was like, and I read through the whole thing and I was like, this is unbelievable. It's so amazing. This needs to be, there needs to be more of this. And I'm like, this woman is doing things, big things. And oh, so impressed by you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy you reached out. This is um, profound. It is. Oh, well, this is just one of many, I hope. And, uh, you know, there will be a ripple effect of this project and future projects that you do. Um, and I truly believe it will impact the younger generation as that's you know the people who are who are coming up in a world that hopefully is a little bit more mindful and hopefully has a better dialogue um and we're allowing our vulnerabilities out um and i love all of these men for doing this and for being vulnerable because that can't be easy um i know that they have counterparts looking at them they have co-workers looking at them and right that's scary in itself. Um, I know my ex-husband works for a fire department and it's a boys club, 100%. And there is that, you know, that stigma about men in general, not being able to share and even more so men of color, not being able to let their guard down and share their stories and their vulnerabilities. So it's just so impactful. Um, and yeah. I love it. Um, will you tell me a little bit more? I want to go back to about her story and your mother and what you learned from that. Yeah. Um, wow. My black her story project is, oh, uh, it's so personal for me. Um, my black her story project was only friends and family um, because it was like a spur of the moment thing that I wanted to do. And the biggest thing that I learned from the Black Her Story Project was I am not alone in my thoughts in regards to men, in regards to my spirituality, and in regards to my future. And what I mean by that is we women, we're emotional. <laughs> we um, talk about things way more than men. Mm -hmm. um, and for the Black Her story, one thing that I did wish that I did, though, um, is actually sit down and talk because I just had these women, like, submit statements pretty much like, hey, what does it mean being a Black woman in America? And so I didn't really have the, the connection, but it, but this is what started, you know, Black History and then my Black History Project for 2020 that mm -hmm. I'll be doing. Um, but it, it just made me realize that we all share the same thing um, spiritually. And a lot of the quotes from that project centered around God and our identity in God and our, my identity in Christ. And so that is, it was beautiful in my spiritual journey because mm -hmm. um, I'm like, you know, this is, 
this is who I am. And if anything was ever solidified before, now it is because these women all are centered, you know, in some way, shape or form um, in a spiritual, um, in a spiritual matter. And I got closer to some of the girls that I interviewed around my school and I gained very powerful friendships with that. That was the biggest thing for me also. Everyone that I, that is involved in any of these projects, I'm, I, I have some sort of hopefully a lifelong relationship with sure. and relations and friendships are so important to me. So I got closer with the majority of all of the women I was a part of this. And it's just so beautiful that they can now see what they started and what this is blossoming into. And so um, that was the biggest takeaway from that. Um, and that I should not be afraid of my future as a black woman in America mm-hmm. at all. I because that. I interviewed, or I they, they submitted um, their quotes, and it was all a range of different things, but um, the most diverse part of the Black History Project was age. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I had um, a generation or two ahead of us for mm-hmm. the project, and a generation before myself. So the age was the biggest diverse thing with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully by next year, it'll be 10 times bigger than um, it is gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And was this a part, because this was in 2016, was this a part of kind of your transformation into, and I'm going to quote you, embracing your blackness? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my mother is the number one black influence in my life. Yeah. And because I'm a woman, she's a woman, you know, and it wasn't always like that. And um, me and my mom had a difficult relationship growing up. And it wasn't until I left for college. And I hear that happens a lot. Like, your kids leave for college and now they love you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> now y'all are like best friends, you know, after you leave. But it's because I can relate more, right? So that's where that relatability comes in is you can relate to your parents more the older you get. Um, and so it this it just helped me grow into, like, first of all, I did this project in Ventura, California. I lived in Ventura for five years before I moved to LA. And so I didn't know that 28 black women existed. (laughs) (laughs) So I met this really incredible women during this because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're black, I'm black. It's only 10 of us here. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. (laughs) You know, we, we, we see each other really quickly when we live in that type of, you know, environment. So, um, I, I found one of my absolute best friends during this project, and I didn't know her. I just, I literally walked up to her and introduced myself, um, and I was like, your hair is beautiful. Hello. Let's be friends. And it's just been beautiful since then. Um, another one of my really, 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 really good friends, um, I was in the park eating Wendy's, and her son runs up to me and just puts his hand in my bag and takes fries and then runs away. And I'm like, whose child is this? Oh, my gosh. She, um, Jacqueline, she, when she listens to this, she'll know exactly I'm talking about her. Um, but she comes up to me and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, whoa, you're black. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so I, <laughs> so we, we remained really, really good friends um, throughout the years because of the project. So... Um, it's just helped me embrace and be okay with my blackness and, you yeah. know, um, 
try to spread the word about my blackness. So that has been such a great thing. I've definitely grew because of these women. And having, and no matter what culture, powerful women around you is so essential. And just having somebody that you can go to for advice and, um, you know, just a a tribe is what I like to call my people. I have my tribe. And um, Mm -hmm. my tribe has been found throughout um, throughout this project. Yes. Oh my gosh. And would you say that finding this and finding yourself and taking your creativity and morphing the two worlds together has made you a better artist? Oh my gosh, that is such an incredible question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, it has. It's challenging. Um, And for the difference between the Black Her Story Project and the Black His Story Project is I chose location for the Black Her Story Project based on where I thought the light best was or based on where I thought, you know, someone would match the environment. Mm-hmm. For the Black History Project, um, I challenged myself as an artist and I really wanted it to be raw and natural. And so I had the men choose where they wanted to be photographed. And I would make a suggestion and I would say, hey, I really want to photograph you in your creative space. Mm -hmm. This creative space has ranged from very dark studio (laughs) to (laughs) middle of the sun photos to right outside my apartment if they didn't have a creative space. Mm -hmm. And so it has challenged me like no other and it's also made me realize that I now this is going to just go into photography basics I, I'm, I'm a natural light photographer mm-hmm. um, I, I love natural light and it has just made me realize that I can really take on and conquer any lighting situation that I've always been afraid of of, of, of photographing in right. um, and so it, it, it's challenged me, but I purposely challenged myself for this. I did not think I was going to be able to pull it off. So all of the photos that you see that's part of this project, um, it was 90% chosen by the guys where they, where they can create the most. I wanted it to be intimate and personal, and I wanted them to be very comfortable um, in their setting. And so some of them were like, hey, come to my house. Right. Them, you know, was I'm in the studio tonight, can't leave, it's going to be dark, come. Uh, Kenyon Dixon, he um, needed, he he had a show, so he's on tour right now with Justin Timberlake, and Mm. he had a show the night that I needed to photograph him, and he's like, if you can just come before, during my rehearsal, and so it was pretty, it was cool, but it was challenging, and so, um, but the the photos are, are, they came out great, and he loved them, Um, and so... Yeah, so, and some of the guys have been like, hey, I got five minutes after we talk to shoot. And so it's been challenging me to make sure I shoot quicker. Um, but equipment has been my biggest struggle. <laughs> <laughs> um, during this project, I have simultaneously lost my camera <laughs> and and my laptop. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, yeah, so during the project, um, water spilled on my laptop and destroyed my laptop. So I've been using a friend. And then the, the shutter life ran out on the the, the Nikon that I was using. Um, and so I am currently without 
either. I just have friends that are letting me borrow and just praying for a miracle within the next three weeks because I have some really big things coming up. So that has been the biggest challenge for me photographically because I feel like just when things are start, you don't get too comfortable when things are going really, really good in like any situation. And then this is happening and I'm like, wow, this in a positive and negative way so <laughs> right well I feel like the universe kind of swarmed around you and made all these things happen because you were putting out there into the world intentionally what you wanted to do and you overcame whatever barriers uh, were thrown at you and you did an incredible job and truly so inspired by all of this. Um, so I know you're going to be doing the Black Her Story 2020. What are you up to for the rest of this year? This year, actually, I want to do the opposite of what I did for both my last projects, which was scramble at the end of the year to come up with my list of people. So um, the Black Her Story 2020, um, I'm reaching out and taking it a step further. Um, every year I want to challenge myself and do something a little different to see if I can do it. And so what I'm going to be doing is hopefully by December have the Black Her Story <laughs> project completed yes. and not wait until January 1st to start for February <laughs> um, and not stress myself out. But I'm bringing video into this Black Her Story project. And oh. so people will see me sit down with these women. And um, I'm reaching for the A-listers for this one. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah, so I hope to have that finished. I am working on my book release for the project. Amazing. And I'm going to be releasing two coffee table books, Black Her Story, Black His Story. Mm. And uh, hopefully building my, my go-to team for just everything outside of my project. So I still do fashion photography. I do portrait photography. I do event wedding photography. So just having a team that I can call on, you know, makeup, hair, video, everyone. So just building yes. a very solid foundation there. And we all just grow together. Um, and then um, start getting my Black Hour story prepared for 2021. And it's going to be focused on Black love and um, marriages, relationships, and the family. And so I'm really excited about that. That is an exclusive oh. for this podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh, so many things. <laughs> well, when those things are done, when there are links for anything, books or otherwise, um, yeah, send them my way books. so I can relink them in these show notes. And you guys, I am going to be linking a ton of stuff and people in the show notes so that you can follow and be inspired um, and connect further to the story. So Oh my gosh, Gianna, thank you so, so, so much for everything thank you're doing. You. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.